Folks, one of the main characteristics of a Christian home is children seeing their parents or grandparents pray. I may have told this story here before. I can't remember. When I was a child, there's a memory that stands out because it's the only time I've ever seen it happen. As a family, we always prayed together. We would pray in the morning when we got up. We'd pray before we ate meals, and we always pray as a family together before we went to bed. Our house was set up like this. There were three stories, so the upstairs were where all of us ten children slept. And the main floor was the dining room, kitchen, living room. There was a classroom where a number of us would you know, be in homeschool where we studied. There was, of course, the bathroom. There was the laundry room. And the next, down the hall from the laundry room, was Dad and Mom's bedroom. On the bottom floor, the, or the basement, there were, it was an unfinished basement. It was Dad's workshop, and, of course, us boys did woodwork there as well. In the basement, there was also a, a, a washroom, Dad always called it. It had a sink in it and a shower. We used it to butcher chickens. We used it, you know, for other things, you know, to wash up clothes if they were really dirty from outside. At some point, when we boys came of age, we were required to shower downstairs in the, in the dirty basement, but at least it made us cleaner than what we were. This one particular time, I was maybe 10 or 11 years old. After finishing showering, I'm getting dressed. I came up the steps, and I went to bring my dirty laundry to the laundry room. It was dark. It was night. It must have been a Saturday evening, I'm guessing, because that was, that was shower day. I, as I came up, I turned the light on in the laundry room. I threw my laundry in the basket, and I turned around. The light shining from the laundry room was shining into Dad and Mom's bedroom, and Dad was there kneeling at the side of the bed. It's a memory that I'll never forget, as I mentioned before. It's the only time I've ever seen it. But it stands out like crazy because from that moment I realized Dad didn't just pray with others. He also prayed alone. That's what we see happening here at the, in our Gospel reading. Jesus was, was praying in a certain place, and when he had finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, Teach us to pray. It's similar to, to children. You know, children always want to, to do what their, what their parents are doing, regardless of what it is. And then parents allow their children to participate. But the same thing with, with the teacher and the disciples, teacher and students. As the students watch the teacher, as they come to see him or her do certain things, they'll oftentimes ask questions, how did you do that? How, how was that done? The disciple asked Jesus, Lord, teach us to pray. And it's from that we receive the Our Father. During Mass, we hear right before the Our Father, at the Savior's command, informed by divine teaching, we dare to say, at the Savior's command, this is how Jesus commands us to pray. But it's also formed by divine teaching, Jesus being God. I want to go now, step by step, what, what each of these points mean. It begins, Luke begins the Our Father this way, Father. Just simply that, Father, Dad. It's the recognition that I'm not the creator, I'm not the source of life. 
But not only am I not the source of life, I turn to him who is the source of life, he who created me, he who has given not only me life, but everything life. And I call him Dad. I call God Dad. Father, Abba. The next phrase, hallowed be your name, hallowed, the, the word Halloween comes from this old English word. It used to be called All Hallows Eve, meaning All Saints Eve. But we still have it here in the Our Father. Hallowed be your name. It literally means, may your name be held holy. The second commandment of the Ten Commandments is, you shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. And then it continues, for he who speaks God's name in vain, the Lord will not leave it on, that person unpunished. It sounds rather strict. But when you think about it this way, when you meet someone and you begin to admire that person more and more, you'll find naturally within your heart you do not speak bad about that person, whether to their face or behind their back. You hold their name in honor. Most couples do that when they, when they have this love between them, you know, as they're, they're dating. If, you know, at some point if they start losing that love, they'll start speaking bad about each other. Hopefully not, but that it happens to be the case. But you think of it, you know, for those of you who are married, when you first got married, someone else was talking bad about your fiancé or, you know, your now spouse. Oh, you defended them. You know, don't ever talk bad. How much more so when we, when we come to God, our true father, our true parent, our true friend, the one who is actually truly interested in our lives and that only good comes about. Speaking the Lord's name worthily in a holy manner. Right before we began the or right before we get, begin the, the most important part of the, the, the Eucharistic prayer, we say that phrase, holy, holy, holy. It comes from the angels. It's, it's the, the phrase directly from heaven. Isaiah had seen this image of heaven, and he writes it down. He said, I saw the cherubim respond in back and forth. Holy, 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 sanctus, sanctus, sanctus. Dominus Deus Sabaot. The next part, then, of the Our Father is this, your kingdom come. When we recognize who God is, that he's our source of life, he's our Father, when we begin to, to hold his name holy with respect, with honor, what, that, what begins to happen through that is God's kingdom begins to be established within our heart, first of all, and then in our homes, and then in our workplaces, and then, you know, in the town, the city, and it keeps expanding. Your kingdom come, that also means I'm not the king. I'm not the one who makes all the rules. I, I, I follow the king's commands. And I follow his commands because he's trustworthy. He's the one who's given me life. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread. It's, it's this childlike prayer. Like, I need help. I, I can't feed myself. 
I, 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 I need more help. I, you know, I don't even know what I need sometimes. Lord, give us each day our daily bread. The word daily is a rather weak translation of the Greek word, which appears only twice in the Bible, epiousion. Bishop Robert Barron explained, he said that the word epi, it's a, it's a Greek word, the word epi means upon, over, above, and the word usion means substance. He said a, a better translation of it would be super essential, super substantial. Give us each day our super, super um, substantial bread, our super essential bread. That which is most important than anything else. The church fathers immediately then said, well, what's the most important bread that we could eat? And of course, I'm sure your minds have already come to the conclusion, the most important bread that we could eat, any of us, is the bread that comes from the altar. It's the bread that comes from Jesus himself. But it's not, it's not just bread, but it's the bread of life. It's, it's Jesus himself coming into our lives. Give us each day our daily bread. The next phrase recognizes that we don't match up what has, what has come previously. And forgive us our sins. It's this humility. Again, those of you who are parents, you know when your child does something wrong and your child you know, comes to you and, and asks for forgiveness, if there's any humility in your heart, you, you just can't help but love the child. Forgive us our sins. We mess up. We don't always look upon God as the source of life. We go to the other creatures that we think give us life, but they give us a little pleasure for a time, and then they were dried up. Forgive us our sins. For we ourselves forgive everyone in debt to us. Guys, this is maybe the hardest part of the Our Father. Matthew's translation, or his version of it is, forgive us our sins as we forgive those, or forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. But it's, we're only capable of forgiving those who have hurt us, those who have betrayed us, those who have been terrible to us, only if we're living out the first points, recognizing God as Father, recognizing and holding his name holy, having great respect for him who created me, begging him for what's needed. Then we become capable of great things. Two saints come to my mind. St. Maria Goretti, little girl. Her mother was, was gone. Her dad had already passed away. She was taking care of the younger siblings. She was, I think, maybe 12 years old. can't remember the exact age. The neighbor boy came on over. He was older than she. He was, I think, 17. He came on over and wanted to rape her. She refused. So he took out his knife and he stabbed her 14 times. He ran away. She drug herself to the door, called for help, was rushed off to the hospital. Well, their hospitals at that time weren't, weren't any, you know, any good in comparison to today. But in a day's time, she passed away. But before she died, she told her mom these words. Please tell 
Alejandro that I forgive him. She could not have been capable of doing that unless she was living out the first points of the Our Father, recognizing her need for God. The second person is Edith Stein. I forget her, her, um, her name, her religious name, but that was her secular name. She grew up as a Jew. At some point, she became Catholic. After she became Catholic, she entered uh, the convent community of sisters. She lived in Nazi Germany because she had Jewish features and because she had been Jewish. She, of course, was arrested along with a number of her other sisters and sent to a concentration camp. As she died, she forgave her killers. That's only possible when we recognize I'm not the king. I'm not the dad. I'm a child, and I need help. The final part of the Our Father, and do not subject us to the final test. A number of the church fathers point out that this refers to the the final test of life. The book of Revelation speaks about the end times and how bad they're going to get. Some people today, you know, preach that the today as it's like it's so terrible out there. You know, the what's the world coming to? Is it the world going to end soon? I guess it could, but if we look at our first reading, you know. God was, would have spared Sodom and Gomorrah if there were 50 righteous people there. I think there's more than 50 righteous people in the world yet. So I don't know when it's going to happen. But we all must remember, we're all going to face that battle when we die. The greatest battle of our life. All of us are going, none of us are going to be able to escape, escape it. We're all going to have to make this final decision. Do I choose God? Or do I reject him? I pray that we all choose him. I pray that we all. But we, we, are, we know with certainty that we're most likely going to not choose God if we're not choosing God today. If we're not bringing ourselves to him day after day. If we're not genuinely praying the Our Father. You may have noticed that all these points in the Our Father refer to the sacraments. When we're baptized, we become a child of God. The next part, hallowed be your name. When we're baptized, we're baptized in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Your kingdom come, that's, that's confirmation, marriage, holy orders. We're given this vocation to, to establish God's kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. Give us each day our daily bread, the Eucharist. Forgive us our sins, the sacrament of confession, as well as the anointing of the sick. The prayer at this Mass that I would like you to pray for is pray not just for yourself, for your whole family, but also pray for this whole parish. We pray that we may truly look upon God as our Father, as the source of life, not our work. Our work's not the source of life. 
Not even our family is the source of life. But God is our source. And when we look upon him and we come to him like a, a child with great humility, give us each day our daily bread, he, he fills us up. He gives us what is necessary for heaven. Let's make that our prayer today at this Mass.